0: And welcome to Wands and Fronds, the bi-weekly through Labor Day podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Shannon.
1: And I'm Nick.
0: And we're your co-hosts. So today, um, the episode is loosely titled Mamma Mia because we are talking about Greece. So I'm talking olive oil uh, and this like little old thing called the Titanomachy or the war between the Titans and the Olympians
1: love and you know in the theme of summer travel guides I'm doing I I had this sort of wacky idea to do a summer travel guide for Mount Olympus so that's what I'm doing
0: (laughs) I think this one's gonna be fun and we're gonna like kind of hop in because I feel like there's a lot to cover but before we do that um we of course have to start off with like when you felt magical
1: Ooh. okay so, I have a couple. I'm kind of all over the place this week. But, um, as we all know, it's very, very close to the full moon. Um, she's coming. She's coming. And this is a big one. It's, like, full moon in cancer. Um, full moon in Capricorn. It's cancer season. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but, yeah. So, the other night, like, two nights ago, it's one of those where it was, like, not quite cloudy somewhere between foggy and cloudy where you get that red ring around the moon
0: oh my god that's always the spookiest I it was it.
1: and and i i'm glad you said spooky because i was like it's not like you know sometimes when it's cloudy and you can see like a rainbow kind of emanating yeah. around the, the moon
0: the blood moon rises once again
1: <laughs> no, it was it was very spook. I also saw a snake, which I did text you about.
0: Baby snake.
1: Baby snake. And it was a ribbon snake, so it wasn't like a big snake. But there is just something about the way snakes move that is just so startling.
0: And can I just say that all ribbon snakes are baby snakes?
1: They are. And I do, I mean, I would say, again, I know that they cannot do... Like, a ribbon snake could not even hurt my little finger, you know? Like, they have teeny tiny little mouths. They're so small. So small. Um, But just the way it was moving freaked me the fuck out. I'm like... Well, yeah,
0: your lizard brain is like, oh, death is that way.
1: (laughs) Truly, truly, truly. Um, But, yeah, I, I would say a tie between those two. But I did also kind of want to talk about i've been feeling as you know i've been listening to a lot of uh um, i first of all i've somehow stumbled into appalachia talk so
0: I like that makes so much sense though because appalachia and louisiana have similar vibes well and that's... you are such a louisiana boy that i feel like appalachia is just like At this point in the year, the better weather version of that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: better better weather Louisiana, for sure. But so I've been on Appalachia Talk and I've been listening to a lot of bluegrass hymnals, which please don't gag everyone. But I don't know. I've just been feeling this very, like, sort of comforting ancestral type energy around me.
0: Yeah, I've been thinking, I was literally just talking this morning to Eric about how I feel like we need to do an episode about Christian mysticism because it's like modern evangelicals have like definitely worked hard to pull all the magic out of the Bible. But like, there's a lot of magic in the Bible.
1: There's a lot of magic in the Bible. And, you know, I would say, I don't I, I it's just, maybe it's cancer season. Maybe it's because- um, I bought this new tote recently, and it came in a million different patterns, right? So, I, you know, I bought I bought butterflies because I was like, "Oh, this is cute." Oh, that's but like
0: your grandma.
1: I it is, and I don't know. I just feel like she's around. I love it. So, that. and I literally, that. I heard a uh, a Randy Travis hymn.
0: Oh my uh, god.
1: Randy Travis singing washed in the blood. And I was like, my grandma's fucking here right now. Like,
0: yeah. Your grandma popped that on. Um, I love. I love.
1: So Um, that's me.
0: (laughs) Those are some good ones. I mean, mine is like the headline is that my Hoyas are flowering. Um, anyone who grows Hoyas knows that it takes a while for that to happen. But my Hoya Compacta has a vine that has now going on four peduncles full of flowers and like two of them have fully opened up. And Nick, when I tell you, they smell like vanilla, like real vanilla when you put your nose in there. And oh my God, it is so good. And sitting out on my like back porch with my new little like, I got these really cute pillows that have suns on them. So I'm like, solar energy outdoors sitting out there on my like teal cushions with my yellow like sun pillows looking at my flowering hoyas i'm like the summer witch times are here
1: no um, i i made my so i made good. my sun tea the other day
0: yeah yeah and i was yeah. literally
1: like obviously hibiscus is very refreshing and rehydrating but i was also like i literally feel like a little flower getting recharged by the sun right now
0: yeah. Oh, I love it. I also like replanted so I I pulled up my like sweet peas that had kind of died and gotten crispy. And I planted, I got from Holland Bulbs. They have these um, they're like rollout mats that have seeds in them. So I got sunflower mats and I like cut them into pieces. And it looks like there's just like white paper next to my porch, but it's white paper that's full of sunflower seeds. And then I have a bunch of autumn sunflower seeds that I'm going to plant tomorrow. I am so excited. I'm like just really getting into like getting ready for the fall because it's July and that means I'm just thinking about fall. I went to Joanne Fabrics and uh, they had their Halloween stuff out. so I got a new welcome mat. It says, welcome, witches, and has, like, oh my God. a little triple moon on it. And I got this, speaking of snakes, this cute little snake piece for Eric to put next to their desk because Eric has started, like, doing some work with Lucifer, which has been, I think, really good for them and healing from religious trauma. It's, like, recommend.
1: Honestly, but, all of yeah. all of the real life Satan Satanists that I know are good people weirdly like
0: and like lucifer as like the angel that's the light bringer is like pretty good energy if you're like healing from like religious trauma specifically tied to christianity and evangelicals so but anyway all that to say let's talk about olives and olive oil shall we um so it's been a minute since i did like kind of a deep dive through entering hecate's garden But because I'm working through Cindy Brannan's, like, keeping her keys, I thought it would be kind of good to, like, do an olive oil take through the modern Hecatean witchcraft lens, which I thought was fun. And I think that olive oil is one of those that's, like, it's been used for so long and it's used so broadly that it's kind of fun to, like, dig down into, like, one specific aspect of it. Um, So, like, broad strokes, olive trees, they originated in Turkey. And they've been like very important parts of the lives of Mediterranean people for more than 4,000 years um, for things like food, medicine, creams, magical offerings. They actually found olive branches in a Tutankhamun's tomb. So kind of a big deal. And of course, like medicinally, olive oil has always been important. Um, Hippocrates called olive oil the great therapeutic. So again, kind of a big deal. But olive oil was also like, just used in cosmetics like greek women would combine like charcoal and other like ground stones with olive oil to make like eyeshadows and other like pretty pretty crumbs for the face um and of course they would use um olive oil and olive oil like olive oil and olive branches in the like sacred um the sacred lamps in greek temples that they called like the eternal flames which ultimately ended up inspiring like the Olympic torch um, for the Olympic games. They also would use it specifically like olive oil in massage for like wealthy people and famed athletes. Like, you know, getting a massage with olive oil was something that was very luxurious.
1: I, I would say, I bet your skin feels so soft after that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that like, when you get like a, good quality olive oil. Cause that's key. It does feel really nice on your skin. I mean, you have to be careful, like know what's comedogenic for you because olive oil is not non comedogenic for everybody. So if you do have like acne prone skin, test it out first. Um, but I do, I do love it. And when we get into like thinking about olive oil through a Hecate lens, we have to like talk about Medea, right? So like there's that myth of Medea making the potion to save her father-in-law, right? Like that's kind of like the thing. That's one of her bigger stories. And it says in the story that like she used a wand uh, made out of olive wood to stir the rebirth potion. And like, as she's stirring the rebirth potion with her like wand made of the dead wood, the wand, like the branch comes back to life and like sprouts leaves and she uses that to like return the world to splendor and then ultimately to heal her father-in-law um which again kind of medea's thing like that's one of the most like well-known stories about her um but i do like that cindy brannon's suggestion is like every time you use olive oil to give a little like gratitude to hecate and I'm like, if I did that in my house, literally, I'd just be like giving big ups to Hecate basically every time I cooked, which seems like maybe that's the point. Um, So let's talk about some of like the properties and correspondences of olives. So this is a plant associated with the sun. Very appropriate. Um, Greek women would also use it for like protection from the elements. Some people still are like, oh, you can use olive oil as natural sunscreen. Don't do that. We have a lot less of an ozone than they did 4,000 years ago. So, you know, they also didn't live as long. So they probably did get skin cancer still. They just like didn't live to be old enough for it to be a big deal. Um, But it's a solar plant associated with Leo, the colored gold, um, doves. And as far as like stone associations, I like that labradorite and diamonds are both associated with olives. It's like all giving like luxury. And they're said to correspond with like all of the elements. And I think that makes sense with olives because it's like, you can use the branches and the leaves and the fruit, you know? So I think it makes sense. You get all the elements covered there. Prosperity, protection, purification, rebirth, success, and wealth. Like imagine if you were invoking some of that every time you used olive oil, like kitchen witches, we need to get on board thinking about olive oil. It's working hard if we just like, put a little bit of energy and intention
1: into it well and I also feel there's something that's very like mothery and womb about the, the way the olive is like around the pit
0: yeah I could see that I think that's like you get some of that like protection right it's like that maternal kind of like mother bear energy and olives are delicious like I love olives and olive oil.
1: So a little, a little Putinesca honey.
0: Oh yes. Um, I also love to use like good quality olive oil in my brownies. Come at me. Like I know it's got a low smoke point, but it doesn't smoke when it's in a brownie batter. I like it. Um, so you can also though, if you're someone that likes to use natural oils on your body, olive oil is like a good carrier oil. So with essential oils, Sometimes you'll see people, they're like, oh, put it in a spray bottle and like spritz it with water. That's fine if you're spraying your space. Don't spray yourself with it because when you put like essential oils in with water, they're not mixing so you're not actually diluting the essential oils. But you can put essential oils into carrier oils and then use them for topical application. So olive oil you can use as a carrier oil. I have to say, olive oil should always be stored in like dark colored glass. So if you do make something like that, um, make sure that like whatever little rollerball you put it in is colored glass. I feel like I see the blue ones everywhere, the dark blue. Just do that. Just make sure you're not storing it in clear glass because like light breaks down olive oil. And also for just like your culinary olive oil, it'll make it taste like super rancid. Store it in dark bottles. Um, So Let's talk about like magical formulations though. So one of the recipes in this book that I really love is for something called like a Brimo oil and talisman. And Brimo is one of um, Hecate's epithets. So it's like a thing in modern Hecatean and witchcraft, to, like get to know all of the various like names that Hecate goes through and Brimo is supposed to be her most terrifying like this is bringing in like righteous anger energy which also feels very appropriate given all the news that we got this week um so this is like a spell to really like help you invoke that energy though that like scary terrifying energy and the the way the recipe goes is essentially you're gonna take five cups of olive oil, and then in it, you're going to infuse um, black pepper for justice, fennel for uh, courage and communication. I'd use fennel seeds and whole black peppers, Um, oak for success in battle. So you can actually use oak leaves or oak essence in there. And then the olive oil is a base that serves as protection. So the idea here is like you put your formula together on the full moon, and then you let your olive oil charge in the moonlight because you can charge oils in the moonlight like you do water and use them as bases for formulations. Um and then as you add each ingredient into the olive oil you're going to stir clockwise and recite this really cool um, this really cool like thing that she wrote in here. So five times I stir this cauldron round to cast this spell true and sound. Olive's protection, a spiral now released. I summon my Brimo to ultimately bring peace. Pepper brings justice fast. Fennel makes my courage last. And the king of the wood renders my anger strong and good. As I spin you round and round, Brimo does pour down. Her power fierce and true. The spell now cast, and the work is through. And I just really liked that. I'm like, sometimes, sometimes they just really knock that out of the park. Um, and so once you have this oil, you can, of course, like strain off the whole ingredients and use it like topically you could also put it into like a small vial and wear it on um, like a red cord tied around your neck like under your clothes you can anoint your seven like chakra energy points with it you could anoint things with it like if you're doing some sort of like magic remember if you're anointing things like candles be careful because oil can be flammable (laughs) so you know practice safe anointing very important um but yeah if you don't want to use it right away store it in a colored bottle keep it in a cool dark place basically you should treat it the same way you would olive oil that you're going to eat um i also love the idea of doing like culinary infused olive oils and using them for like different magical workings one of my favorites and it's like a go to is to make garlic infused olive oil and like kitchen witches hello garlic infused olive oil so much protective magic um especially for like the fall i feel like it's such a good one for like as the seasons are turning and the nights are getting longer like mm, i'm just like hungry i want italian food now um but my uh sources today daily some wikipedia entering hecate's garden and a lot of time using olive oil in my own kitchen because i really really love olive oil um so yeah we're keeping it short and sweet Mostly because we've got some big, meaty topics otherwise. So, uh, I'm going to transition right in to talking about the Titanomachy, which um one of the most pivotal moments in Greek mythology. So, most of you know that's when the Olympians overthrew the Titans uh, through a 10 year war. So, this war raged. The bad news here is there actually aren't a lot of like surviving details and stories this is like one of those instances where it's undoubtable that there were a lot of written records about the Titanomachy, like in antiquity but a lot of it for some reason just like didn't survive we get a lot of what we know from hesiod's theogony which is like mainly a genealogy and then they piece it together from like other myths there was like a written account that we know of by this dude named Humulus, um from Corinth. It was called Titan- uh, Titanomachia, but we've only recovered fragments of it and they haven't actually like added any new details. So it's one of those things that I just think it's really fascinating to me that something that seems like such a very pivotal piece of like the Greek myth, we just like don't have a lot of accounts of. So let's like kind of give the before times though. Um, before the Titans like came about, the cosmos was ruled by Uranos or the Sky. But as is common with Greek deities, uh, he was worried about his kids overthrowing him. There's some daddy issues in the Greek pantheon. Um, so you know he's like, okay, NBD. I'm gonna lock my kids away in the belly of the earth so they can't overthrow me. Um, Gaia, understandably, isn't thrilled with this. So she teams up with a group of her kids known as the Titans to overthrow their sky daddy. So, you know, it's like a yada, yada, yada. And Kronos, Kronos uh, castrates his dad with an adamantine sickle, um, which understandably removes a lot of Uranus's power. Turns out castrating somebody will do that. Um, So as Uranus is like, piecing out he basically like throws out this prophecy that essentially like he was overthrown by his son cronus will be overthrown by his son as well um setting off this hilarious domino effect of bad greek olympian daddies so i just i just love this idea too it's like can you imagine like what a bird to flip on the way out it's like hey guess what buddy your son's gonna fuck you up too have fun okay bye um so then cronus though because Cronus like can't fucking like just be a solid dude starts out on a bad foot and he doesn't release his other siblings. So the Titans were held in Gaia with the, um, hecka, uh, and the Cyclops. And he even went so far though, as to like add a dragon guard to guard his like, and keep imprisoned his other like siblings essentially. So Gaia, um, and what I can imagine is, like, the shade that only a mother can throw, like, is reminding Cronus about this thing. And he's like, hey, so you remember that prophecy about your fucking kids? Yeah, your kids are going to kill you because she's unhappy. Uh, but Cronus, similar to his father, thinks, oh, I've definitely cracked the code. Um, So any kids that him and Rhea have he just like swallows whole. He's like, well, I'm not gonna put them inside of Gaia because then they can like get together, but I'll just eat them. And one of my favorite like historical art things to look for are all of the horrifying artworks done of like Cronus or Jupiter eating their children. Like so much haunting artwork in this genre. Um, If you haven't, please go enjoy it. So now this is where we end up with, like, Hestia, Demeter, Hera, Hades, and Poseidon all imprisoned in their father's gut. And you might be like, well, there's someone missing from that list. And you'd be right. Zeus. Uh, Rhea and Cronus' sixth son. He is, like, on his way to being born, but Rhea's like, well, fuck, Gaia, what are we going to do? Like, my kids just keep getting eated. Uh, And so they spirit him away to live in a cave on Mount Ida on the island Crete. So, you know, Zeus grows up, I'm sure, hearing wonderful stories about his fucking father, uh, stewing in that hatred and that need for revenge that really just sets someone up for success and healthy relationships. Um, Ultimately, once he's full grown, he works with Gaia and Rhea to like come up with this scheme to overthrow Cronus. Uh, And they concoct a potion that Rhea gives to Cronus which causes him to like throw up his kids. It's like magical epicac, basically. Um, and then once the Olympians escape, they convene on Mount Olympus where Zeus like very publicly declares war on his father. And, you know, in a very Zeus way is like anyone who opposes me is going to be really fucking sorry. Um, and because the women weren't seen as warriors they proceed to like ship off Demeter and Hestia and uh Hera gets sent off to stay with Oceanus and Tethys um while the war is going on I do like this like background that Hera stays with Oceanus though because I think it makes sense why Oceanus is down to like help Hera at one of the times when Zeus is fucking around because Oceanus is like got daddy like uncle daddy vibes for her i feel like they have like a very special bond um but yeah and like oceanus and tethys of course are titans but not all of the titans fight along their own kind so the titan army includes cronus um iapetus hyperion coas uh creus as well as atlas and uh Monoegis. gorgon aches aka the terrible goat and uh, Aegean also side with the Titans. And the Olympians like really start off with like the power three, right? We get Zeus, Hades, and Poseidon. But they're joined like not too long after that by some pretty baller allies. So the first ally that they get is the goddess Styx, who joined at her father Oceanus's behest. Um, I do think it's interesting that a goddess was one of the first people that joined them. Meanwhile, Hera, fucking Demeter, and Hestia are like stowed away on an island, be that as it may. Um, So Styx brings her kids to the party, Nike, Kratos, Zalos, and Bia. Um, Matus, another one of Oceanus's children, joins the Olympians, uh, and she's a goddess of wisdom, so she serves as Zeus's like war council throughout it. So Zeus is also like literally counseled through this entire thing by a woman Meanwhile, his sisters are hidden. It just like really bothers me. <laughs> just one of those things. Um, so the battle rages on, and they say like the earth trembled, the air burned, the waters boiled. Shit is not good. Um, and so Gaia tells Zeus, she's like, "Look, you gotta fucking release the cyclops and the hecatonchirids because uh, I've been telling Cronus that like keeping those other siblings locked up wasn't gonna be good." Um, So Zeus takes off to Tartarus and he does the thing that like should have happened from the get-go but of course like what are you going to do? Bad leaders going to be bad leaders. So Zeus fights the mighty dragon guard to free the prisoners, which really like is what turns the tide. So the Cyclops were like skilled artisans. They crafted some amazing weapons, including the really iconic ones for the power three, right? We get Zeus's lightning bolts, Poseidon's tridents, uh, and Hades's helmet of invisibility. And those three weapons are like essentially what most people attribute to winning the Titanomachy. Um, The Hecatonicaires were 100-headed beasts who, after fully recovering from their stay in Tartarus, uh, thanks to Ambrosia, were said to be able to throw mountains as artillery shells. Clutch. I want those guys on my side.
1: Absolutely. Good (laughs) God.
0: So um, now, though, like Zeus and the Olympians are pretty unstoppable. There's like this story of Zeus riding his chariot guided by Nike. Who and like Zeus, like throws down his lightning bolts, and one of them strikes Monoetius and sends him straight to the depths of Tartarus. Like he yeets him into hell using a lightning bolt, which I think is like really cool. Um, And there are like a few different versions of the ending, but my favorite is that Hades ultimately ends it by putting on his invisibility helmet and like waltzing into the Titans' camp on Mount Othrys to destroy their weapons, which ultimately like ends the war, right? Because he gets rid of their artillery and their weapons. What are they going to fucking do? Um, So now the war's over, right? And Zeus loves punishment. So of course he keeps that promise. So all the male Titans are sent to Tartarus. uh, But the ladies, because there's a very weird rules about which ladies can fight? Uh, the lady titans are actually like left alone. Um, Atlas is given the special punishment of holding up the damaged sky, which, you know, not the most fun. Oceanus, because he was like, because he sided with the Olympians, got to keep his mantle as uh, the god of fresh water. And Prometheus and Epimetheus were tasked with like bringing life to Earth. We know how that ends for Prometheus. Um, the allies of Zeus were rewarded with Styx, the river goddess, whose uh, name was invoked for unbreakable oaths. I hate women being used as fucking war prizes, but it happened. Um, and her kids, though, Styx's kids were all given like super privileged positions on Mount Olympus and her daughter Matus actually becomes Zeus's first wife. Um, The power three at that point, like, divide the realms among themselves. So Hades takes the underworld, Zeus the heavens, and Poseidon takes the whole world. So I know that, like, there's this thing where everyone thinks about Poseidon in the ocean. But, like, we have to remember that, like, Poseidon has the earth. Like, this is his realm. There are three. He's here. I don't know, like, I don't know how it's ended up being, like, Poseidon is just an ocean dude. But he's got the whole earth realm. So, you know put some respect on that name um but because because it wouldn't be greek myth if it if it didn't happen um the foundation was already being laid for the next round of battles so gaia wasn't thrilled that some of her children still made their way back to tartarus because i think gaia might never be happy Um, so even though, uh, these like hundred headed beasts and the Cyclops have been freed, she still wasn't happy. And so she begins niggling, uh, and like doing some poking and prodding that eventually leads to the Gigantamaki, which happens, uh, that's another later battle, like with the giants. So fucking hell Gaia, (laughs) like I, I get it, but also like she did not let, she was not about to have a break. She was like, okay, but until justice for all. Which I get, it's good energy, but it's one of those things with the historical lens. You're like, okay, but like maybe we could have, um, I don't know, tried some diplomacy or something.
1: Well, I Ooh, I also no. just love that Gaia gets all of her shit done by Meddling.
0: Yeah. She's she's literally just like honey into these like giant epic like decade long battles for supremacy. Some, um, for
1: some reason, it's giving like Lucille Bluth energy.
0: I love thinking about Gaia as Lucille Bluth. <laughs> oh my god, um, that is my very, very favorite um, way to think about her. I I do think though that it's like. Also interesting, if you want to work with different deities, like to go through and like look at where they sided in the Titanomachy too, because like Hecate notoriously uh, did not take a side. She is a Titan, but she kind of like stayed out of it through a lot of accounts, which I also respect. Because it's like, you can all just go fucking kill each other. Um, Some people say she ended up siding with the Olympians. But a lot of things do say she was kind of like neutral, at least in the beginning. Which, again, respect. I think there's something to be said about being like, yeah, y'all are fucking dumb. This is ridiculous. All these like daddy issues bringing gods to fucking their knees. Which is crazy. But like Greek mythology is just a story about bad dads. So there you have it. Uh, GreekLegendsAndMyths.com GreekMythology.com And good old Wikipedia Were the main sources For today's coverage On the Titanomachy
1: Love um, And actually Before we move into Mount Olympus Which is where What I'm talking about um, I did want to say That one of They think one of the Possible historical origins Of the myth of the Titanomachy being this like earth-shattering war between supernatural forces, um, is that there's evidence that a comet hit near Mount Olympus in um, around like eight or nine thousand BC. Mm. So, so not um, obviously not like a dinosaur-type asteroid, but maybe something like a, a smaller Tunguska event.
0: Maybe something that could have sank Atlantis.
1: Right, right, right. But it's just... But, really, yeah. But, yeah, you know, there, there there was perhaps this cultural memory of this area getting destroyed, or maybe even, you know, the leftover fallen trees and, you know, broken rocks and, and that kind of thing that would have been like, oh, the gods fought here.
0: Yeah, it's like, oh, the gods must have been throwing some shit around because this wasn't people.
1: Right, right, right. But I I, I just think it's, I, mythology is so fascinating to me, obviously. That's a part of the reason that we do this podcast. Yeah, but, we love it. But anyway, so we're going to talk about Mount Olympus. And again, I was just kind of inspired by, it's that time of year where every sort of dog and pony publication is doing like summer travel guides right
0: a hundred waterfalls you have to see in the u.s before you die
1: right 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 and so in in that sort of vein of inspiration i thought wouldn't it be fun if we did that about some mythological places so here we are in this very greek episode um so mount olympus which if y'all will remember First of all in the the Hephaestus episode um when uh Hera yeets Hephaestus off of Mount Olympus baby Hephaestus he falls for uh one week and one day which and I forgot the math which I forget the exact number we landed on but basically for, we assume like an eight-ish pound baby could fall for a week and a day um, with an earth level of air resistance, although I would assume, considering how tall Mount Olympus is, there might not be a lot of air resistance uh, near the top. But all of that to say that Mount Olympus is taller than the world is round.
0: That tracks.
1: So it's you know very very big. Tall. The real Mount Olympus in Greece uh, is ten thousand feet tall. Um, but if you were to drop a baby off the top of it, I did the math. I did do the math for this. It would it would take le- still less than like a couple minutes to yeah for, to fall to hit uh, the ground to hit the ground. Um, so but,
0: morbid math time
1: but but also the the greeks used to just call the tallest mountain in any location mount olympus as sort of like it, it, it basically the real mountains are stand-ins for the mythological mount olympus so they see a tall mountain they're like that's mount olympus um and so i will now be referring to granberry mountain as mount
0: as olympus. mount olympus <laughs>
1: Um, which for, for everyone who doesn't know, uh, there's a very tall hill in our hometown in North Texas, which is a very flat place in the world. Um, and it's, it has a name, but everyone just calls it Grandberry Mountain because that's what yeah. it is. It just- and
0: if you want to, uh, learn more about Nick and my, uh, our stupid hometown, there is an episode of We're Here, the season premiere of uh season three is in Granberry and um a certain someone I'll I'll tell you after we're done recording I I knew someone who was like on it she went to high school with us like she was in it for a minute and I was like oh my god we know her
1: love that love that but anyway so um mythological Mount Olympus though very very tall like 26,000 miles tall um or something like that uh, and they have uh, it's basically what they say in the descriptions of the mythical Mount Olympus where the gods live is that it is set up similar to the Acropolis in Athens. So it's a basically a fortified hill, um, you know, and obviously Zeus's palace is the pantheon in this in this situation where we're looking at it as the uh, acropolis right um but then everyone all of the other 11 olympians which i am going to read the list um zeus hera demeter hestia poseidon hephaestus Ares, apollo artemis hermes aphrodite and the all live at one point or another on Mount Olympus now in some myths Dionysus also has a place at Mount Olympus but as we know Dionysus does prefer to wander the world with Pan Um,
0: I like to think that Dionysus basically has like a flop house for when he parties too
1: hard right 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 (laughs) um but yeah, so those are, those are 12 Olympians, and they all have palaces and terraces on Mount Olympus. Um, and I, yeah, I, I also agree with that Dionysus having a flop house on Mount <laughs>
0: <Olympus>. <laughs> Like, it's just giving college bachelor pad energy, because he really only just sleeps it off there.
1: Right, right, right. Um, but so let's talk about some of the architecture. So... And this is a description from uh, the Iliad. So this is written by Homer. Uh, Mount Olympus is made of uh, stone buildings and terraces, uh, but the foundations are made of bronze,
0: mm, pretty and the
1: neat. and and the courtyards are paved in gold. Doesn't that sound familiar?
0: Yeah, but also I'm like, as far as materials go, very soft metals.
1: Very soft metals, yeah. But you have to remember, these myths are from the Bronze Age. So to them,
0: oh, it was the tits.
1: It was the tits,
0: and also uh, I guess magic, but
1: and magic, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, but the the whole courtyards of gold thing. Here's my thing, you know. You ever have like a really shiny hardwood floor, and you can kind of see your little footprints and your cat's paws and stuff. I feel like that would just be such a bitch to clean.
0: Yeah, but it is I, definitely given like heaven with the streets of gold.
1: Oh no, really though. It's like, hmm, where did y'all get that idea of streets paved with gold?
0: So original.
1: That's very original. Um, but yeah, I. but also, you know, I'm sure it's nice if you don't have to clean it. And I'm, it's not like they have to clean it, right? And actually that is one thing I want to get into. Is apparently all of the furniture and stuff in the palaces of Mount Olympus comes from Hephaestus's workshop and moves around as needed.
0: God, that sounds so nice.
1: So we're talking um robotic furniture and like full automation. Like, you know, we're like they these motherfuckers have Alexa. Oh, I love. So I'm sure I'm sure Hephaestus could come up with like a Roomba to clean the gold courtyards.
0: Yeah, you know Hephaestus has it covered. I mean, like, look, if your furniture can like adapt to the environment as necessary, he can fucking clean a floor.
1: And I would I also add here that Hephaestus's workshop is on Mount Olympus and is one of the more important places, kind of in a place of honor, even. Because it really does keep the whole thing going. Um, so we got to talk about ambrosia. We do have not to ambrosia
0: salad. Because not ambrosia, not salad. ambrosia salad.
1: That is not ambrosia. Although I can you imagine eating a bowl of marshmallows and oranges and thinking this is it? This is what they eat in heaven.
0: No, I can't. <laughs> I can't wrap my head around that. I can't, I, I also really, never lived through a war where sugar was rationed. So maybe uh, that's true,
1: true, 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 true. Um, but no, it's very, it's very like, Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that's it, but we do. Have I to think you out. should
0: aim higher.
1: So in Mount Olympus, they eat ambrosia and drink nectar, which is one of those things where it is not clear. What either of those things actually are. I mean obviously we know that nectar comes from flowers and fruits um but as far as the ambrosia it's just it's the food that the gods eat and we really don't get more of a description than that uh except that um it's either grown on the banks of Okeanos the the river that runs around the edge of the world um or It comes from the smoke of offerings made by humans. So, a couple of different versions there. If it's grown on a riverbank, maybe I'm uh, some kind of agricultural uh, product—a fruit, a vegetable, what have you. But then, sort of this um, congealing out of smoke. What is that?
0: Molecular gastronomy. It's not here for it.
1: when they put that stupid little dome over it old-fashioned.
0: Oh my god, not everything needs to be made into droplets. Um, no. But I also just, like, don't actually want to know what it is, because any American child who read about Turkish Delight understands the deep disappointment that comes from overhyping literary food. No, so. truly,
1: truly. It's like, oh, Turkish Delight is a gummy, rose-flavored gumdrop thing.
0: That's what yeah. you sold your siblings out for? That's what you sold your
1: siblings out for. And it's not even like, you know, it's not chocolate. It's like pistachio. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I love pistachio. And I Same. love, and I love rose flavored stuff too. But I don't think you would catch me selling out my family.
0: As a child.
1: As a child for um for a rose flavored candy.
0: No, no, no. Anyway.
1: Um, anyway. About Ambrosia, they eat Ambrosia, they drink nectar. I want to drink some nectar, but I want to talk about the rules of Ambrosia too, because you get a couple of different contradicting versions of this as well. So either eating Ambrosia makes you immortal. uh, And in the case of Achilles, Achilles' mom rubbed him and his brother down with Ambrosia. And that is how... In what some stories, how, you know, she protected them and made them invincible except for the part where she was holding his foot. Um, Anyway, but all of that to say, it either makes you immortal or you can only eat it if you're already immortal.
0: Yeah, and those are not the same.
1: Those are not the same. So I guess, you know, probably just... Better, better to err on the side of caution. Uh, and if you are a person, don't eat the ambrosia.
0: Look, not everything is for you.
1: Unless, unless you're able to clarify with someone higher up if it's yeah. okay, if it's okay or not. Um, also, while we're on the subject of feasting, uh, apparently it's very like Valhalla vibes in Mount Olympus. They they all just they go to each other's palaces and have feasts and banquets. Dope. So they're like the real housewives in that respect.
0: <laughs> the real housewives of Mount Olympus. The real housewives watch that show.
1: No, I would absolutely watch that show. Are you fucking kidding me? But yeah, Mount Olympus um is protected by time deities, the, the Horay, and they're very spooky sisters grim from Macbeth types you know um which I do think is funny because it's like you know you you could make dragons you can make hydras you know you have all really all of this power at your disposal um and you've got these sort of old lady time deities at the gate just scaring people off by being too spooky
0: it's because I'm like a knight will go, will go battle a dragon. I don't know anyone that's gonna go fuck with like three crones.
1: No, and it, you know, apparently it's a good strategy.
0: Mind your business.
1: Um, but no, I mean, other than that, I would say that's it. That's that's Mount Olympus for you. Um, so you know, great restaurants beautiful home automation technology
0: banquets for days banquets
1: for days and i would say so whose house on mount olympus are we crashing at i mean i think artemis is a good you know artemis is up there
0: i mean i personally i'm like look if i'm gonna go for a party though i'm kind of like feeling athena
1: Hmm yes very cultured i bet i bet the entertainments are divine
0: yeah i'm like you you walk out of that party being drunker and smarter
1: no and i feel like hephaestus's house would just be like cool to see but also very like an engineer lives here by i'm like
0: i'd i'd go to high tea at hephaestus's house i wouldn't want to go for like happy hour
1: no absolutely not and I, then let's i think aries you know
0: aries is where you go after a breakup
1: mm, mm-hmm. and there's just
0: a room where you can smash things
1: now actually that would be fun yeah 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 um but no athena yeah i mean because her i mean hermes
0: i mean you, you can go there for the tea i guess but like
1: yeah lunch i would do lunch with hermes
0: exactly you can like lunch and goss with hermes but like here's
1: here's what i will say would not be very up for going to Zeus and Hera's house no because you know that relationship is so toxic and they would be the type I will tell you they would be the type to fight over dinner like with. oh
0: oh my god yes I speaking of I'm like I just got um the new edition of Laura Olympus just came out uh, this is volume four, and there is a hundred percent a scene where they are at Zeus and Hera's house, and they're fighting at the dinner table.
1: Wow, and I think yeah. I, I, it's it's canonical now. It's, it's canonical.
0: canonical.
1: So that that we know, we know. Okay, we know what's
0: going on. Um, I love it so much.
1: But yeah, so I guess it's time for the tarot scope
0: it is time for the tarot scope
1: still here's here's what we have and i just want to say this card literally jumped out when i was picking the zodiac card um because it was the only one that was upside down and it literally i was like oh that's the one and it's libra
0: Well,
1: Libra. well libra kitty Uh, And for you guys, I drew the four of coins or the four of pentacles, but it's coins because it's my dragon tarot deck, which I love. Um, I really think I've got these bad boys broken in. But, so sort of the message for you guys is to be frugal. You know, I know Libras like to do it big in the summertime, but maybe that's not the best strategy this year. Um, and it's not really like a warning that something bad's gonna happen. It's just maybe maybe be a little conservative with your money this summer.
0: Yeah. Don't put yourself in a place for something bad to happen.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, but I also think maybe this is a sign for them that they're they're feeling very tempted to be spendy.
0: I mean, I've met Libras, so I and, can see that.
1: And so maybe this is like a warning to not do that don't get don't give in to that temptation
0: solid advice
1: so well what do we say to all these olive oil soaked olympian bitches
0: oh my god to all of you beautifully moisturized olympians blessed be bitches
1: blessed be bitches
0: goodbye Yeah, it's a mess. I haven't taken my shower yet. So I'm like, this video is not going anywhere, but that's okay.
1: That's, that's honestly good because it is so hot outside. I did not want to open my window. So...